Welcome to What's So Funny, a comedy podcast where we talk about some of the most influential and controversial comedy albums from the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. Sit back, relax, and get ready to laugh. Here's your host, Dave Swenson. All right. Hello, everybody. This is your host, Dave Schwenson, and I'm joined today by uh, my good friend, Tom McGallis, hey, who, and hey. we've already been laughing before yeah. we started doing this. We laugh all the time. All I mean, the time we laugh, like like little baby chimpanzees. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Wait, I can't do they get laugh? The, I'll tell you what. I'll get you to stop. <laughs> Just tell us what, what's new with you. Tell oh. me what's happening. Well, Dave, you you've been you follow me on the Facebook, right? <laughs> yeah, I got yeah. no other friends. <laughs> yeah, well, and I follow you, and so, but you see what's going on, and I I paint a uh, really vivid, beautiful color picture of my life. I was just out in Palm Springs hanging out. Yeah, I saw that talking about some art because I do art and stuff like that. I'm a sit- big fan of your artwork, hey, by the way. Thanks, Dave. I, I do. I look at all the things you post Thank on you. there. It's just like amazing the stuff you have going on. I appreciate it. So doing some of that, yeah, I met with some people out there and hung out. And what about you, Dave? What do you, what's been new in your life, the Dave life? You know, I just had a great uh, time last week. I was in Chicago. Oh, you wow. know, I do my comedy workshops, different yeah. places, and we did a showcase in Chicago, and it was a lot of fun. I had about 10 comedians, new. Some people have never done it before. Some people have yeah. worked with me before, but we just had a great show. And I told him it was one funny set after another. So uh, I'm it? riding on that high. Oh, right good, now. good. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a you got it's a craft. You got to learn it, right? And you help people to sort of get on stage and and hone the craft. I'm the one that kicks them in the butt yeah. to get them on stage to do this. So, Dave, uh, we're not here just to talk about us, even though it's fascinating, <laughs> right? We have to stop. Yeah. yeah. But wh- what are we doing? Who are we talking about today? You know, today we're going to talk about Lily Tomlin. Oh, I love her. And her first recording, which is, happens to be called This is a Recording, that came out in 1971, mm. and it won her a Grammy Award for Best Comedy Recording. Yeah. She came out of Detroit. Right. She grew up in Detroit, and I don't think a lot of people know this, but she was going to study at Wayne State University to be a doctor. That's crazy. She was majoring in <laughs> biology. But she's smart, man, so, you Yes, know. <laughs> but she wound up taking it. some theater classes. I think she got cast in a show, and it really changed her plans. And then she moved on to New York. She went to right? New York City to try to make it in acting and as a comedian, but it didn't really happen for her. She moved back to Detroit. Yeah, went back home. She was working in the clubs, coffee houses, things around Detroit. And then a friend of her called, had her set up to perform someplace in New York City. I want to say it was the club downstairs at the upstairs. Mm-hmm. I know she was performing at the Improv, the original comedy club in New York. But, you know, she got cast then on a show, uh, the Gary Moore show. Yeah. A lot of people probably don't remember Gary Moore. He was pretty well known as a television personality in the 50s and the 1960s. And that was like a variety show. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, and okay. I think she went on and she did some of her characters. Now, Lily Tomlin's known for her characters. You and I talked about this earlier, that is she really a stand-up comedian? Yeah, man. It's 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 kind of like you think of her as a comedic actress in yes. a way. Playing a scene. Yes. You know, like a, a, a little beginning, middle, and end scene. Right. It and, always feels that way. And her characters. Yeah. They're I strong. Mean, they're very strong. One of her strongest characters, probably the best known, is Ernestine. Yeah. The oh, uh, yeah. telephone <laughs> yeah, operator. You know what? And yeah, yeah. we better start off with that. I think we're going to start, because Ernestine is going to be a real focus of this album. I mean, well, that's the entire album, yes. isn't it? Yes. It's, it's, and, and, you know, she, I think she originally started that character as being a real attack 
on the phone yeah. company, right? But it <laughs> yeah. kind of then just became really funny and, and silly. But it's uh, some it, things never change, yeah. do they? All right. <laughs> I'm looking at my phone here. I'm like, I'm going to throw this out the window. Exactly. Uh, okay. Well, we're going to listen to the first track of this, which is called Alexander Graham Bell. And it pretty much sets up for what is going to follow on this album. She sets it up. Well, I'll stop and I'll let her do it. Here's Lily Tomlin from This Is a Recording doing Alexander Graham Bell. The Ice House takes great pleasure in presenting Miss Lily Tomlin. Well, thank you all a lot. How are you? Hello, Miss. Thank you all a lot uh, for coming this evening. Ladies and gentlemen, this album is dedicated to the man who made it all possible, Alexander Graham Bell. <laughs> Alex was born in 1847. Following in his father's footsteps, a renowned therapist for the deaf, Alex <laughs> created lots of new techniques for treatment. For instance, every morning he would line up his patients and he would yell and scream at them, what's the matter, you stupid idiots? Why don't you say something? Until he'd turned purple. Then early one evening he was flying his kite and he discovered electricity. Well, this just opened whole new vistas to him. And leaving behind his practice and several very bewildered deaf people who never did know who that man was, who <laughs> was always yelling and screaming at them, he worked feverishly day and night until he'd found a way to harness electricity to a distillery for schnapps. <laughs> and immediately he became locally prominent. <laughs> then, heady with success, he went to work inventing the telephone and aided only by his faithful assistant, Mr. Watson, the magic day did arrive. With Mr. Watson in the other room, his head bent auspiciously over the sender, Alex muttered those famous words, Mr. Watson, come here, I want you. And Mr. Watson, tears in his eyes, came rushing from the other room, his arms outstretched. And well, God only knows what happened after that. Alexander Graham Bell did kick over in 1922. I, I don't know if it was Mr. Watson, the schnapps, or just what. But he left behind him a monopoly, um, a company <laughs> that has changed the history of mankind forever. You know, that's a funny setup, even in itself. I mean, you know, when you when you listen to her kind of set that up, we talked about her being an actress. Yeah. But her cadence and kind of her approach is she's still very funny just in in just in like a monologue or just a discussion. Yeah, and I think at the time she recorded this again, it was nineteen seventy one. So this Ernestine character was huge. I mean so popular at that time from her television appearances on Laugh In. Oh, that's right. That was a huge base. Yeah, that's you know? what really broke her. You know, when she was in New York after she was on the Gary Moore show, I think she did the Merv Griffin show. Those were big shows in the nineteen sixties. And um the producers of Laugh In saw her and they cast her on the show. They, the show had been on the air for a couple of years yeah. already. It was already the number one show. I mean, all these people were, Goldie Hawn and all these people were becoming stars. And uh, she was worried about joining the cast 
coming in in the middle of this after it's been on for a couple of years. So she yeah. went on another TV show instead called Music Scene. She thought that would break her. Wow. I'd never heard of that one. Yeah, it's because it's because it got canceled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, music. Good. Yeah, you know. Yeah. R- r- the laugh so, in was a better she, choice. Her fallback plan was yeah. laugh in. Yeah, and it worked out real well for her. And that uh, obviously obviously precedes Saturday Night Live and these other shows where yes. you could do characters. What yes. other shows could you do that except except talk shows or just well, laugh in was groundbreaking. It really was at the time. I mean, you had the variety shows on TV. I think all the big like Dean Martin and. Uh, who else? Glenn Campbell and the Smothers Brothers and Sonny and Cher. They all had variety shows at that time, and they did comedy skits. But Laugh-In was the real game changer. Yeah, because it was irreverent. Yes. Yeah. And it was it, uh, just, they got to be silly, do things that were just crazed. And Lily Tomlin came on there doing these characters. She had Edith Ann. Yeah, a little five-year-old girl in the big very chair. Opinionated. Yeah, the big chair. Yeah, that was the, awesome. And uh, but this Ernestine, who was the telephone operator, who used to call people, and uh, give them a little piece of her mind. <laughs> and, and again, <laughs> what was going on? These are written, man. These are you know, for a lot of people that think they're you know, there's some improv or there's some spontaneous. I mean, that's part of her genius is taking this written piece, yes, and doing it and making it feel very spontaneous, yes. and in the moment and just. Really, a a deep character. She's deep in there. It's 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 kind of a, it's wonderful to watch that, and and, and it's funny. Well, you know, we're going to go into another clip right now where she talks to someone who was very well known at that time. Maybe our listeners don't know that much about Gore Vidal, but he was a very famous writer, political commentator at the time, uh, history, fiction. He wrote books on Aaron Burr and Abraham Lincoln and made them stories, mm-hmm. and uh, very well known, very opinionated. And well, Ernestine gave him a call because. He owed on his telephone bill. Yeah. And she wasn't about to let him get away with it. No, so man. She knows this. everything. It's called Mr. Vidal. One ringy dingy. Two ringy dingies. A gracious good afternoon. This is Miss Tomlin at the telephone company. Have I reached the party to whom I am speaking? (laughs) Mr. Vidal? Mr. Vidal, you owe us a balance of $23.64. When may we expect payment? Pardon? When what freezes over? (laughs) No, no. Mr. Vidal, Mr. Vidal, you are not dealing with just anyone's fool. I am a high school graduate. (laughs) Now then, when may we expect payment? Oh, Mr. Vidal, I don't see why you're kicking up such a ruckus when according to our files, your present bank balance plus stocks, securities, and other holdings amount to exactly three... Pardon? Privileged information. Oh, Mr. Beetle. Oh, that's so cute. No, no, no. You're dealing with the telephone company. For instance, as I look through your income tax return for 19... Oh, Mr. Beetle. Mr. Beetle, you don't understand. We are not subject to city, state, or federal regulations. We are omnipotent. (laughs) Omnipotent. That's potent with an omni in front of it. (laughs) Now then, when may we expect payment? Oh, dear me, Mr. Vidal. 
I'm afraid we're going to have to discontinue your outgoing service. And if we do not receive payment within 10 days, we will send a large, burly serviceman to your home to rip it out of the wall. I'd advise you to lock up the liquor. He's a mean drunk. Now then, wouldn't you rather pay, Mr. Beetle, than lose your service and possibly the use of one eye? Oh, dear me. You know, Mr. Beetle, I, I think we can persuade you to pay after all. I want you to listen to a little recorded conversation. Can you hear that all right? That's right, it is you. Do you, do you recognize that other voice? That's right. And do, and do you remember the basic content of that conversation? Wait a minute, wait a minute, I want to hear this part again. Oh, Mr. Beetle. Now, Mr. Beetle, if you're interested, we have 96 hours more. Oh, I, th I think blackmail is such an ugly word. Let's just call it a vicious threat. Well, how very nice. It's been a pleasure talking with you. We will await your check. And Mr. Beetle, Mr. Beetle, there's no reason on earth for you to feel personally persecuted. We may be the only phone company in town, but we screw everybody. <laughs> yeah. That hasn't changed. No, it's so much... <laughs> with the times then, it was so important. And Mr. Vidal, of course, is Gore Vidal, yeah. who was a political commentator and uh, wrote historical novels. But it touches on the fact that the phone company is like... They're watching you. They're man. watching you. Yeah. And it goes back to the era where, you know, Nixon was the president of the United States at that time. We all remember the Nixon yeah. tapes. Right. They were recording everything, and there was no privacy. And Lily Tomlin's Ernestine is playing off that angle. Yeah. And the, really, it, has it changed much since? No, man. It's Big Brother. Same. Pretty good. And it's and it's crisp writing. I mean, so here Lily's doing a really nice job yes. with these sort of endings and beginnings and working on, on this Well, piece. I think this was her nightclub act. You know, again, mm -hmm. that's how she started out in New York in the 60s, then on to Laugh-In. This is the 70s. And it's, it's taped at the Ice House in Pasadena, which is, you know, yeah. a very well-known comedy club. So, uh, but yeah, her characters were fully developed. You know, she always, like, inhabited. That's why I think of her more as an actress. Yeah, right. Because right. she becomes these characters. I can picture her as Ernestine. She scrunches yeah. up her face, and she's working the telephone thing. And, yeah. she, and, her, and the thing about her characters, too, they always, I don't want to say they always came out on top, but they were not victims of anything. They right. thought they were winning. They thought they were doing the right thing. All of them. Even the little five-year-old girl she played. And the bag lady. She yes. played the bag lady and some other characters. So it's really it's really cool to to listen to this. And and also think, Dave, you know, you, you teach a lot of comedy, a lot of stand-up and, and help coach. And the pacing of this, right? These are long bits. Oh, yeah. You wouldn't... Necessarily, you couldn't get away maybe with that unless you've got a real, right. unless you have a, ba a real fan base that's going to hang with Well, you with know, this. you have to keep the audience interested all the time. I always call it adding colors. I mean, anyone can tell a story. You know, we, we could talk about what did I do today before I got here? Here's a story. But to make it interesting, you've got to make it funny. You've got to keep adding things. And I, you know, again, colors, descriptions, funny yeah. lines, you know, you, you've got to take a your character. audience. A character. You have to take your audience on a journey. And that's what she does. I mean, basically, we're listening to this. We're not seeing this live, but the audience sitting there is watching her on stage 
being Ernestine, and she's working this phone thing, and she's calling up Gore Vidal and telling him that he owes like $23 in phone bill, and either pay it or we're going to rip your phone out of the wall. <laughs> really paints it, and they have to go on this little journey. But yeah, it does border sort of theater, does yes. it not? It, oh, yeah. And, and maybe her work always did that. Now, does that make her transition to acting easier than, say, a stand-up who's just been talking up on a stage by himself or I'm going to say yes. I'm going to give you a definite yes on that. Yeah, because she, she went on to do movies and do all kinds of well, things. She's nominated acting. for Academy Awards for acting and has done a lot of things. But yes, because of her characterizations, that's talent. That takes talent and training. And, uh, you know, I've worked with stand-up comedians who have to take acting classes just to to come close to doing something like this. Because it's a different ballgame. It really is. Yeah, yeah. It really Interesting. Is. It's, it's pretty cool, though. And, uh, and she obviously was strong right off the bat you know, with her nightclub and uh, Jane Wagner, her writing partner, director and life partner, it just added another, took her to another level, maybe. We interrupt. Hey, what's going on here? We interrupt this program. Uh, we're trying to do a podcast here. <clears throat> do you know this guy? Like I was saying, we interrupt this podcast to bring you the news. Retrotone News. A podcast brought to you by our sister channel, Evergreen Podcasts, where I, your host, Raj Bixby, give you a snappy summary of the latest events and happenings at home and abroad. Are you done? Almost. Visit evergreenpodcasts.com to listen to Retrotone News and more. Now, back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Oh, boy. What I've kind of read and, and gathered from Lily, that she didn't want to be known as just a, a comedian, a stand-up, but sort of a performer and a, a, I don't know if it's a larger entity. Well, she didn't like labels. No labels. You, you couldn't label put a me. label on her. Yeah. She was Lily Tomlin, and it could mean anything. Again, actress, comedian, writer. I'm surprised she didn't drop her last name. Do like a Madonna. <laughs> Lily. I'm just Lily. <laughs> she probably could. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, in that last clip, she talked about tearing Gore Vidal's telephone right out of the wall, sending over a big, burly repairman to do that. Well, that just happens to be the next clip we're going to talk about or play for you. It's called The Repairman. Ernestine, the telephone operator, is uh, calling up. I think this might be her boyfriend. Mm, let me leave that for an opinion <laughs> or something. might be Ernestine's boyfriend. His name is Vito. Well, let's go ahead and listen to it. It's called The Repair Man. It's from Lily Tomlin's album, This Is a Recording. Gracious, good afternoon. This is Miss Tomlin, your repairs operator. Oh, Vito, hi. <laughs> oh, they've got you working today, too, so early. It's only noon. Why do those people have to have their phones fixed in such a rush? Why can't they just go to the corner and use our semi-convenient pay phone? Oh, that's broken, too. Well, just what do they claim is wrong with their instrument and or service? Oh, other voices on the line. Isn't that picky? Twelve fifty a month doesn't buy perfection. Oh, listen, Vito. Vito, what's the house like? Where are you? In the living room? All, all maple and chintz? I love it. But it's got one of those cute little telephone tables with a special place for the directory. I knew it. Oh, well, Vito, what about the rest of the house? Well, do the Mr. and Mrs. sleep together? Well, pretend you have to check a wire. Go take a look. <laughs> I am a for the county. And I work the main. 
Vito, I'm here, yes. So what about the bedroom? No kidding. No wonder she's so crabby. <laughs> Has she given you anything to eat yet? Not even a can of beer? Put her on, let me talk to her. Listen, you. This is Miss Tomlin with a word for you about common manners. You just listen to me and don't interrupt. Your repairman is a human being, too. And the sooner you people realize it, the quicker you're going to get your phones fixed. Now, just, just a second. I'm just going to say this once very clearly. You want service on your line? You want to be able to report a fire, call a loved one far away? You get your little fanny out to that early American kitchen and get Vito something to eat and drink. You got, you got one minute. Now move. Vito, is she doing it? Running to the kitchen. <laughs> If we play our cards right, you can have lunch there every day this week. <laughs> Fix the phones, I don't know, about cocktail time on Friday. Good. Oh, listen, my board's lighting up. But if she doesn't come up with something better than a you need a biscuit and a cup of soup, you call me back. Oh, Vito, before you leave today, why don't you short sheet their bunk beds? <laughs> Lily Tomlin is Ernestine, the telephone operator, always He's a in criminal. charge. Vito's a She's criminal is what you're going to say. She has him sneaking around the house. She wants to know what everyone's private life is like, and uh, she's in control. It's very funny. And it's got a, it's got this sort of, uh, you know, you can f hear and feel the, uh, you know, beginning, middle, and end. It's got like this little arc that happens in the story. Well, and I think it, she's reading into people's minds kind of, because don't you always think like, well, if the TV repayman's coming in my house when I'm not there, what are they looking at really? Exactly, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> She's got them, the telephone uh, repair man, looking around the house and telling her everything that's going on. And they still come to your house. So if you hear this, you're, I'm, I'm going to think anytime someone's coming to my house now. That, I hope you know, someone's listening to this right now and they got a telephone guy coming in to <laughs> yeah. check there. Yeah, don't, yeah. I, well, Dave, do you follow the guy around? That's one thing. I'm As I'm listening, I'm like, I, I sometimes I'll go in the basement when the furnace guy's there. I'm like, hey, so what's going on? So what, I like ask him questions because I don't want to leave him alone because he's going to look in my, look <laughs> yeah, at my look stuff. stuff. He's going to look in my toolbox or something. Well, that's what Ernestine has Vito doing exactly. when he's over at somebody's exactly. house scoping it out. <laughs> well, you know, Lily Tomlin, I mean, this. we, we, we want to talk about the backstory of Ernestine because, again, these are characters that are very thought out. It's not like she's just improvising on the spot. I mean, she worked on these. She knows their whole backstory. I mean, really, like with Ernestine, she would know the parents' names and any siblings yeah. and, and any where she went to school and how far she went. In school. I mean, she would have all that together. Yeah, so you can call upon it, right? Yes. So it's always there when you're improvising or when you're go doing this script. And, uh, and it's interesting, though, when you listen to that, she's a telephone operator with a snort and kind of like a lisp or whatever she has. So it's interesting that that's her line of work. And the thing is, her characters were all so different. Because, again, another character she did was uh, Edith Ann. Yeah. She's five and a half years old is what she's supposed to be. So on TV, on, on Laugh-In, they had her in a, a giant chair, rock, yeah. rocking chair <laughs> yeah. with a big stuffed animal. And, and she would talk about what life was like from a, a five-year-old's point of view. Hugely popular. And give you a life lesson at the same time. And then she also had Trudy the bag lady. Oh, right. Yeah. One of her one of her main characters. Yes. Yeah. And it, the story is that it was an actual bag lady who was in the elevator with her. Yeah. I don't know if you heard the who story. Who came to see her show. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I heard. Yeah. And uh, Lily went on to develop this character based on the woman, the bag lady, who was in the elevator with her after her show. And said she really liked her show. 
<laughs> so that's interesting that you watch the show and now she's impressed with this woman. Yeah. So much that she's inspired to do this character. Let's move on. Let's go into another character she's going to do. Matter of fact, this clip is called Ernestine. I've had a lot of inquiries as to Ernestine Tomlin's history. Surprisingly enough, she hadn't always planned to be a telephone operator. Earlier, she'd had her heart set on being a great ballerina. Unfortunately, her dance career was cut short. Uh, one morning, she and her mother were having a little breakfast, and her mother dropped a six-pack on her instep. <laughs> Shortly after that, Ernestine packed her bags and went to the city and got a job as an operator at the phone company and immediately established herself as a comer by saying to customers such things as, Go look it up yourself. I've got better things to do. <laughs> And at other times, she would say, the number for the Bijou Theater? You don't want to see that film, it's filthy. <laughs> well, she was immediately promoted to district representative. <laughs> but the odds are she's headed straight for the top. Yeah, very sarcastic. Yeah. And it, it, it's interesting that uh, you were talking about these sort of backstories and, and pulling characters out of, you know, your life. And uh, some of these are based on her family, yes. people she knew, right? Yeah, I think like growing up in Detroit, yeah. the, the people in the neighborhood. and Yeah, colorful characters. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, well, Detroit would have it, right? <laughs> I mean, <it's, laughs> yes, I you guess know, so. Now it does, and back then it did. So it was it was base it was a good sort of palette to pull from and and and, and create these characters for somebody yeah. that wanted to act and, and do that uh, and be a performer. But she was observant, you know. She was a, an observer of life, which I feel a lot of you know great comedians are, great writers are, and she could inhabit these characters and their personalities and the things they talked about. But again, I talk about like sarcasm because even we go back to the clip where she's talking about the Gore Vidal that you know it's like they're. Big Brother's watching over you. Or, you know, like some people are too nosy. It's got a bite. Yeah, it's got a bite. Some people are too nosy. She wants Vito to walk around the house and look at that and report what's going on in the house. Do they sleep in the same bed? What's the kitchen like and all this? It's, a, yeah, a little naughty and deviant. <laughs> I mean, it, but, I mean, isn't that—it has to have that little bit of edge to, to it yes. to, in order for the comedy to happen. It just can't be this sort of sweetness. So it's—you uh, imagine Lily is probably— Got that biting sort of, you know, and you know what? edge I to, to her, uh, that Detroit. Yes, yes. And I'm kind of glad you brought that up because I do listen to Lily Tomlin's work. And, and, you know, I follow her in the movies and everything. And she does have an edge. I, I think of her as very, you know, tough. She yeah. does have that hard edge. Yeah. And I think that comes from the fact that when she started developing as a comedian in the 1960s, you know, a lot of it depends who you talk to. But some say, you know, stand-up comedy, especially back in that era, was a, a man's world. Yeah. It so seems like A lot like of it. men. Yeah. You know, very few women uh, compared to the men. And to go to New York and to appear in these clubs and to hold your own, because some of these old-time comics, I mean, I'm going to go back to, like, Lenny Bruce and Mort Saul and, and uh, some, I mean, Henny Youngman. They were, it was a man's world. Sid Caesar, Milton Berle, these guys. You're were, in a bar, Jackie man. Gleason, they're in a bar. Yeah. They're hanging out. Imagine Frank Sinatra calling to the boys because he doesn't like somebody's joke. You know, yeah. they're going to take, take care, care of them. Take care of those guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had like, you know, Lily Tomlin and Phyllis Diller yeah. and, and some of them doing, Joan Rivers even, you know, when she was starting out. I think it was tough for them. They really had to have a 
An edge. The, the edge. And I think that's what keeps her going at nearly 80. She's almost 80 right now. Really? Yeah. I think in order to be relevant and to continue through uh, sort of this comedic journey into an older age, I think of George Carlin, who had a bite and an edge, and he was just PO'd half the time <laughs> and always, you know, I, this is what irks me. This. If you don't have that, if you get soft and kind of like sweet, uh-huh. um, I, I don't think it works, but she still has it. You're right. And yeah. I think that that's, she's still got, she's still out yeah. doing shows. She's still touring. Eighty and pushing, and still, you know, I think I don't know if they're, you know. And then she did go on to become a famous actress, and she was nominated, I think, for an Academy Award for a film she did called Nashville. Oh yeah, back that in the was 70s. Uh, Altman. Robert yes, Altman. Yeah, Robert yeah. Altman. Yeah, she's done quite a few films after and and Broadway shows. The one she wrote with her partner Jane. Wagner. Oh, Jane Wagner. Yep. Okay. The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. They had on Broadway in 1985, and I'm pretty sure it did a national tour also after that. Well, you know, I want to continue because I want to play a clip here that I think is very funny. It's called The Pageant. And uh, it's Ernestine. You've been in pageants, Dave, haven't you? I've seen you being in, in pageants. Yeah, that's how I won the award to do this with you. <laughs> yeah, the winner. Nobody, nobody else showed up. Yeah, well, you know, I'm Greek. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's called the pageant, and it's, it's a pageant that Ernestine, again, her character, the telephone operator, is writing and putting it together, featuring her boyfriend, Vito, who may not really be her boyfriend, but she wants to uh, prove to the other telephone operators to maybe keep their hands off. (laughs) This is from Lily Tomlin's album. This is a recording, and it's called The Pageant. Girls, all right, now, girls, settle down. We've only got a few minutes because we don't want to leave our switchboards unattended for too long. We're all here because we want to present the inspiring drama of telephone company life to people all over America. We've got a really glorious script with song, dance, comedy, and even some living pictures of the biggies in our history. <laughs> yeah, yes, what is it, Phoenicia? Very quickly, we've only got a few minutes. Yes, I did write it myself, but there are plenty of good parts for everybody, Phoenicia. Well, for instance, you play Mrs. Alexander Graham Bell. And you know Vito, that handsome repairman? He plays Alexander. I thought you'd like that. Me? Oh, yes, I do have a part. I play the sexy dance hall girl who is Alexander's mistress and electricity teacher. She inspires him to invent the telephone. Now, Phoenicia, I'm not going to argue with you. We don't have the time. There was such a person in real life, and that's all there is to it. Now, listen, girls. The play opens with Alexander. That's Vito with his shirt off. He's, He's arguing with his wife. That's you, Phoenicia. She wants him to give up inventing things and open a paper bag store. Well, he tells her to take a flying leap at the moon, and he rushes to the arms of his lover. That's me. Where they have a brief scene in bed, and then they sing the love duet, Shut Up, Phoenicia. (laughs) Alexander's just about to put his shirt back on when his mistress notices a rip in the sleeve. As she stitches it up by hand in candlelight, he invents the sewing machine and the electric light for her Phoenicia. I'm not going to tell you again. Now, the next scene is in the cafe where I tap dance the big radio number while Vito invents the wheel. Then a messenger arrives with a note saying that Alexander's wife has just died. That's you, Phoenicia. <laughs> Leaving us free to marry. Well, then Alexander, that's Vito and me, we sing and dance the big finale during which I inspire him to invent 
the cotton gin, dry ice, airplanes, and <laughs> finally the telephone. All right, now, girls, back to your switchboards. First rehearsal is tomorrow night after work. Oh, and Phoenicia, Phoenicia, make her turn around. I want her to hear this. There are no small parts, only small actors. <laughs> Vito's a genius. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Lily Tomlin, I mean, I can just picture this in my head. That's what's so great about this album. She's explaining this pageant she wrote. And really, I mean, I can picture, I can, of course, I know what she looks like, but everyone else is just, I have it in my head. And that's great storytelling. That's yeah. great storytelling. She, yeah, she is painting it, man. She's great. And she just really brought that full circle. You know, she started out like writing, okay, we're going to do this, do this, and yeah. do this. And then it turns out she was the winner in the end. Yeah. But she knew all along, she was manipulating everybody. Absolutely. All along, including her <laughs> wannabe boyfriend, Vito. Vito. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder who he's based off of. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But, you know, it's such a, she does such great characterizations and her writing and everything that, you know, it went on to such a great career. Yeah. As Continuing an today. Yes. She's just oh, yes. almost 80 years old, still pumping them out. She still, still has a show yeah. on, was it Netflix, called Grace and Frankie? Yeah, with Jane Fonda. Your best friend, Jane Fonda. Another almost 80-year-old, and they look fantastic. Yeah, I mean, what's wrong with at, us? Yeah, I'm falling apart. <laughs> They're looking great. <laughs> but yeah, Lily went on to just a great career, and I know she still tours. She still does some shows. But no more stand-up. That's over. Well, you know, did she ever really do stand-up? Ah, uh, good question, That's Dave. That's how we started. We brought our own <laughs> show full circle. Yeah. She's a comedic actress. Yeah. Yes, I want to say she did stand-up. Yeah. We heard it with our first clip today uh, that she filmed at the Ice House in Pasadena, California. Right, right. But it pretty much set up for what her character was going to do afterwards. And I do think she's influenced modern-day uh, one-man shows, you know, people that have well, yes. done some of that. Yes. That have continued and again, to... I, I like to go back to some of these comedians and their work, their albums. How many years before they did this before, say, like Saturday Night Live? Right. Okay. Yeah. Because when I, I mentioned this earlier, someone like Gilda Radner, Lorraine Newman, you know, I think they were influenced by what Lily Tomlin was doing. Yeah. And that's a great thing about comedy because Lily, when she grew up in Detroit, she was listening to the radio. She had television in the 50s, and she mm -hmm. was watching and imitating her favorite comedians, whether they were men or women. It didn't matter. No. And that's how she got started. Funny's funny. Funny is funny. And, you know, right before, uh, you know, when I was listening to her, and I'm thinking of, like, characters and characters, right before SNL was National Lampoon Radio. Uh -huh. And some of those characters with Chris Guest and some of these other people that were doing character. Yes. And you could see, you know, sort of uh, the line of comedy, of, of character comedy. Yeah. I think it's continuing today. I'm sure that she's uh, influenced and hey, inspired Hey, you can't deny many. the importance of Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Okay, you just can't. She's in history, baby. Yeah, she's a legend, <laughs> just like we are. Exactly! In our own minds, you and I, Dave. And as long as we say that, we better end this before they throw us out of here. For I think they already did. Way. The doors are locked. I'm going out the window. <laughs> All right, Tom McGallis, you were my co-host today. I had a blast, Thank as you. always. Oh my gosh, can I get some coffee, Dave? I don't think you need any more. All right, sorry. I always <laughs> try to get free coffee. <laughs> All right, say goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm Dave Schwentz, and you've been listening to What's So Funny. And we'll catch you next time. Until then, keep laughing. You've been listening to What's So Funny. Catch us next week with Kelly Thulis, where we'll be listening to the comedy duo Nichols and May. A special thanks to executive producers Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya, producer Sarah Wilgroup, and audio engineer Eric Coltnow.
History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.